You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When it comes to the challenges we go through in life, becoming a parent must be one of the biggest ones. If you're a parent returning to work, going back can often illustrate just how much is different. Dr. Sarah Cotton is an organisation psychologist at Transitioning Well, a group that helps individuals and businesses with some of the bigger transitions we experience in the workplace. And she's here to talk with us about the pros and cons of flexible work. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Great to um, to be here and be on your podcast. Good to have you. Now, when we talk about returning to work, most parents will go back thinking they're going to need some kind of flexibility because obviously family life isn't necessarily conducive to the work work hours of nine to five with no kind of flexibility in it. And when I use those words, it kind of conjures up ideas of workplaces that will be happy for you to go do school pickup or maybe stay home on sick days. But in a practical sense, what does flexible work mean to you? Yeah, look, I think flexible work's a really personal piece for people. I think it's going to be different for all of us, how we integrate work and life. There's not a one size fits all. So I think that's really important just to set that scene right from the front. I think there's a lot of stigma out there, a lot of probably um, people's myths around, you know, what is flexibility? What do we actually mean by flexibility? Whether people have had a bad experience with that before or have asked for it and not received it or have seen someone misusing it. I think there's a lot of invisible what we call backpacks around flexibility out there. Um, But for me in the work that we do, I find that it is a really personal piece. Um, But I have to say I'm really encouraged that workplaces now, I believe, are really stepping up to the plate and looking at flexibility as the new normal, not just a nice to have anymore, but seeing it as something that people really need in order to to bring their best selves to work and home. When um, it comes to it being an individual thing, Mm -hmm. how do you negotiate flexible work in the first place? Because um, I know when I went on maternity leave, Mm -hmm. I was a a contractor. Um, Obviously, that's a bit different Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. each contract Mm -hmm. is different. But there was an assumption that you were lucky to get maternity Mm -hmm. leave. Mm -hmm. And so if you've gone on maternity or paternity leave, you may feel like, oh, I'm just so grateful they let me take this time with my child. I'm lucky child. to be back. And, yeah, yeah. How yeah. can I possibly ask mm-hmm. them now mm-hmm. to be flexible again? Mm-hmm. How do you negotiate that when you're already feeling, you know, sort of beholden to your employer? Yeah. I think before I answer that question, I just want to normalise that feeling. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really normal feeling for many working parents to have, that sense of I've already asked or feeling as if I've already asked for so much. The workplace has already given me <laughs> so much, how you know? How can I then come back and ask for more? Um, but we know, as I, we were saying before, flexibility is so important for our well-being, for our productivity, for our sense of engagement at work. And we have a right to ask for it as, as, as working people with children um, under the Fair Work Act. We actually have a right to ask. And I think actually not asking is one of the biggest barriers to flexibility. I think it's really important to actually be aware of, you know, what your rights are. You know, many people don't even know that they actually have 
the right to ask for flexibility. And if you're not clear, you know, check with your internal policies and procedures. Uh, a lot of this stuff just sort of sits on the internet and people sort of aren't familiar with it. But I would say that's that's the big one is just being aware of what is available um, and then being confident and clear in, in what you want to ask for. Yeah, with that bit, um, what you want to ask for, um, do you put everything on the table? Like, Because obviously in the ideal world, uh, we would all be finishing work at 2.30 so we could make school pick up at 3, mm-hmm. but then you can't start work at 9.30 after you've dropped them off. Um, so how do you work out what's reasonable to ask? Because we're not going to ask for everything, are mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Or should we? Well, I think, again, it's that individual piece. You know, every family, every um, person does their work-life integration differently. So I think it's getting clear on what you need and what that's going to look like. And obviously, um, making sure you consider the business needs in that is really important. You know, obviously, it's really important that it works for you and whatever your family is, but it also works for the business. And then a third piece that often is forgotten, I think, in flexibility is what does that mean for your team as well? Um, So I think it's really important when you're thinking about the ask is to actually consider all the people that are impacted potentially by that flexibility request um, and having that opportunity to get out of automatic pilot and actually think through what do I realistically and reasonably um, need here in order, as we said, to bring, you know, my whole self to work, you know, and life as well. How much sacrifice do we have to accept will be part of this? Because... Even though flexible work allows you to look after your family as well, mm-hmm. there's only 24 hours in a day mm-hmm. and some of that we want to spend sleeping. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> something has to give, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So even if we're going into it negotiating, hoping for an outcome where we can uh, be looking after our family the way w- we want to, mm-hmm. Should we also expect that there will be some things we'll just have to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a bit of give and take, isn't it, always? I always look at it as dual flex. Like if the organisation's going to give us some flexibility, there are times when we're going to need to give the organisation some flexibility as well around that. So I like that idea of dual, dual flex as well. Um, but I think you're absolutely right about the time thing. As much as I've tried to negotiate the 24-hour clock, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I actually haven't had much luck. I don't know about any of your listeners, but I haven't had much luck. And so I think it is really really important when we talk about asking for flexibility. You need to really understand what your non-negotiables are. Yeah. And what's most important to you? You know, we don't have Groundhog Day. We're not Bill Murray. We can't get to do this again. So it is really important to think about that. And also for your listeners to keep in mind too that that changes. You know, as parents, we have different seasons of our lives. Uh, when we have really young kids is going to be different from when we have teenage kids. And I suppose when we think about flexibility, you know, we need to be thinking about reviewing that as well. I think sometimes we just sit and forget. But things change. And even trialling flexibility, I always recommend, is a really good place to start um, if you just want to trial something as so well. So you should say that to your employer, like, can we see how this goes for six weeks or something? And then if we need to adjust, look at it again. Because then then it's just a way of, you know, it's that entry point, isn't it? To just say, look, I just want to give it a go uh, when you apply for that flexibility. Um, and it's good practice anyway to review. But I think 
um, framing it as a trial period can be very useful for both you and the business. You know, it's not just a business um, positive, but it also for you because you might need to tweak things as well. And a lot of people, once they set their flexibility, feel bad if they then go, oh, crikey, I didn't quite get it right. (laughs) I wish I'd sort of tweaked this or that. So I think setting up those pilots or trials, if you like, can actually be a really, um, really effective part of flexibility that often actually doesn't get talked about. And your organisation works, and, and yourself, you work with the work-life integration, if we can call mm-hmm, it that. Mm-hmm. I love that you don't say balance because mm-hmm. it's not. It's a myth, isn't it's it? It sets us up for myth. failure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I find kind of fascinating as a working parent, particularly when my kids were small, is that there was no off time mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people talk about the second shift, so mm-hmm. they go and do their eight hours at work and they'd go home and then they'd have to do a different kind of work, Mm. albeit possibly more satisfying depending on your job. Um, Mm. But even with flexible work, you might negotiate a day at home, Mm -hmm. for example. Does anyone negotiate a day at home and think they'll get work done when kids are there? Because I don't know how that works. Mm. I think it's a tricky one, isn't it? And Mm. I think it depends on the age of the child. And there's so many pieces. I know know, some people organise to, if they're day at home, that they're closer to childcare so they can drop their kids still at childcare. Some organise a nanny. Some, you know, there's ways, some often get their parents to help on that day when they're home. So they have those blocks of time to still be able to work. I think there's a lot of creative ways. Um, But I know the positives of those days from home can be really incredible. You know, And what are they? Because I've always assumed it's easier to work in the office Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because then it's like there are hard lines that there is not going to be a the boundaries are much clearer yeah they're much much Mm. clearer when you're in the office so what is what are some of the positives yeah Mm. no it's a great question i think again it's all individual um whatever you know the positives are could be different for you to different for me but i think being able to uh, do the drop-offs and pickups a bit easier um limiting the commute is often a big one, enabling people to just take a bit of a deep breath um, and have that bit of reflection time. Uh, A lot of people talk about that higher productivity working from home, and I know a lot of the literature would back us up on that. Um, there's many, many benefits, um, even just being able to catch up on a load of washing. I was going to say that. How <laughs> just on earth do you work at home and not look around you and go, oh. Yeah, yeah. But being, you know, but rather than seeing that as a curse, you know, actually saying, well, you know what, a lot of the women and men that we work with just, they say to me, I couldn't do it if I didn't have that day from home. You know, I'm much more productive, but at the same time, I actually get to do the drop off and pick off that pick up that day, which is one of my non-negotiables because I want to have that impact on my kids' life. I want to be present. I want to catch up with school, and the school community is really important to me as well. So, look, I I think there's enormous benefits to that, but I think that you do need to think through how that's going to work practically for you and give that some some really good consideration and put in place some perhaps even innovative you know solutions around that so what kind of boundaries would you typically recommend parents think of if they're going to take a day at home well look i think it is much harder to switch off and show up yeah so i think it's really important to think about how you are going to do that when you work from home uh, as you said the lines are blurry 
Yep. Yeah, and it can be quite tricky to switch off and then show up in your other role as mother or whatever other roles that, that you or father that you play. So I think being clear about that, having um, what we call just um, the transition gap, so finding ways to switch off and show up. So even if that is just, I know for me, when I work at home, um, when I go and put my jammies on, that's my way of then switching off. And the kids know that I've got mum, mum now, not mum in her worker hat. So I think, you know... <laughs> It do is you get bit, into your PJs at like five o'clock? I do sometimes. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, I do. I do. And my kids know. You know, they know that, okay, mum's in her jammies now. Um, so I think we all have ways. Some people go for a quick walk um, just to be able to, you know, decompress and switch off from work. Um, you know, some people just stop and write their to-do list for tomorrow. Um, if you've got a, a door, you know, in the home office, that can be helpful. But not all of us have the luxury of having a separate office sometimes we just work at the dining room table so you know that we we're all doing it um as best we can but I do think it is important to think about those boundaries and it's going to be different for all of us I think there's some I don't know if you're familiar with this piece of research I love it there's some work done by Ellen Kozik and she talks about some of us have a preference to be integrators so we're very happy to integrate work and life whereas some of us are actually more segregators where we actually, and I, I've got a hunch, maybe you're a bit more of a, where oh, you like to keep it a bit more yes, segregated. Absolutely. And then others of us are cyclers. So we, we tend to do a bit of both. So I think that's really important for your listeners to know and give themselves permission that, oh, yeah, I'm actually, you know, my business partner's an integrator. I'm a segregator. I like to actually keep things a bit more segregated. So I think that's important to have an awareness about how you like to integrate work and life and actually what's, what's actually going to work for you. Sarah, it's so interesting. Thank you so much for coming in. You're most welcome. That was Dr. Sarah Cotton. She's an organisational psychologist at Transitioning Well, and we'll put links to their website in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.